What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Friday, February 19th, 2021. Thank you for tuning in today. Two segments for today's show. Obviously, the first one I'm going to focus in on Fernando Tatis, who got paid, yo, a 14-year extension by the San Diego Padres. And in segment two, I just want to talk about some comments that A.J. Hinch made regarding the bullpen and regarding Michael Fulmer as well, who it looks like is going to start one of the early spring training games. But I want to start by talking about Fernando Tatis. This news broke on Wednesday night. Fernando Tatis Jr., shortstop for the San Diego Padres, signed a 14-year, $340 million extension. He will be in San Diego for as long as he wants to be in San Diego. He's currently 22 years old, and I believe this extension runs until his age 34 season. General consensus from people seems to be overwhelming praise. People are happy about this. People are happy for the Padres. The Padres are a team in a league that's made up almost exclusively of teams that are tanking. The Padres are really going for it. And I think nobody really dislikes the Dodgers, but I do think that people want to see a new challenger. And the Padres have stood up after what was a really promising season a year ago and said, no, we're going to be good and we're going to be good for a long time. They have had an incredible offseason, the acquisition of of Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish and several other guys, a few bullpen pieces as well. This has been a great offseason for them. One of the best offseasons of recent memory, and now there's the piece de resistance, which is signing their franchise player to a 14-year, $340 million deal. Now, I need to say up front, I so hope this works out for Fernando Tatis' sake, for the San Diego Padres' sake, for the sake of baseball. I hope we see this thing through to the end. I hope he's there all 14 years and he becomes the player that so many people believe he is going to end up becoming. He's already a wonderful player. I said it on the podcast after game two of the wild card round. This guy is the most marketable player that baseball has seen since Derek Jeter. He has the potential to have an impact on this sport. And people might think I'm crazy, but I'll say it. He has the potential to have a kind of impact on this game that LeBron James had on the NBA. And the reason I say that is because there was a minute there after Michael Jordan retired the, the second time in 98 with the Bulls where it seemed like the NBA kind of had an identity crisis. Shaq was kind of the face of the league for a while and you had Kobe and Allen Iverson who wasn't the most marketable and then this guy from Akron came along and just set the world on fire. The the Major League Baseball has been dying forever to have somebody like that. They thought maybe they had it with Mike Trout, but the Angels suck and he plays on the West Coast and he can't market himself. They thought they had it with Aaron Judge, but he constantly gets injured. And now you have this guy in Tatis who's absolutely electric. I hope this works out. I want this to work out. The guy finished fourth for the MVP a season ago. And as much as I love this guy, he became my favorite player in baseball last year with what he did. I do have some serious trepidations about this that I think a lot of people are ignoring. First of all, I don't know why 14 years. He w- I don't think he would have turned down 10. 14 is a long time, guys. Think about where you were in your life 14 years ago. I was 12 14 years ago. I was getting ready to watch the first Transformers in movie theaters. Megan Fox and Shia LaBeouf were the, and Optimus Prime were the most important people in my life. So much can change. I know he has that the, a no-trade clause, but no-trade at this point is just an option. You know, I, you can turn that down if the Padres end up going into the basement. But they just gave a 14-year extension to a guy with maybe the highest ceiling in baseball, right? Won't, will not deny that. The guy has Hall of Fame, perennial MVP candidate potential. But Fernando Tatis has played 134 games 
his entire career. Now, obviously, last year, that wasn't his fault. 60-game season, he played 59 of those games. In 2019, got called up part of the way through the year, only played 84 games, suffered an injury, and missed the latter part of that season. Put up great numbers, right? His numbers through two seasons have been amazing. He's got a 7.0 war for a guy that's played 143 games. That's really remarkable. You think if he does that for an entire season, this could be a guy who puts up a war of 9 or 10. But he hasn't done that yet. Like, if this contract was given to Juan Soto, I'd say, you know what, this makes more sense to me. This is a guy who last year in a a shortened season nearly had an OBP of 500, had a legendary, not a great, a legendary postseason in 2019, won a ring, has been compared to Ted Williams by some last year in in the shortened season, led the league in batting average, on-base slugging, OPS, and OPS plus while winning a silver slugger. He's an amazing talent, and he's proven it. Fernando Tatis is loved universally throughout the league, partially because of what he's done, but in large part because of what we think he's going to do, what I think he's going to do, but I don't know if I would give an extension, especially a 14-year extension, to somebody for what I think they'll do. I, I'm going to give an extension to somebody for for what they have done. And again, I, I know there's going to be people who think that I'm, I'm using this as a knock against Fernando Tatis. I love this guy. I think he's going to be great. I think a majority of the years on this deal, he's going to put up all-star caliber numbers. But you're also putting a ton of pressure on him because if he puts up eight seasons of a five war or higher, like eight all-star caliber seasons, it's still kind of a bad contract. I was talking with somebody at Discord the other night, and they made the comparison to Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera, after he signed that extension, had some really good seasons. He was great in 14. He was great in 15. He was great in 16. But that contract has turned into a complete disaster because you're paying the guy till he's 43, and he's not really good anymore. I know people are going to think I'm ripping this contract. I'm not necessarily. I just... I have serious qualms about it. There are some very great things about this deal. One... I think that this is kind of a sign of the future. Not to say that guys are going to be given getting 14-year, $340 million extensions every year, but the idea of locking up a franchise player early in his career and signing him to a deal that per year is not as bank-breaking financially as, say, a Garrett Cole contract was, or a Mike, Con- Mike Trout contract is, or a Mookie Betts contract is, or a Miguel Cabrera's contract is. You have guys like Ronald Acuna or Jacob deGrom who are given fairly long extensions and yet aren't making, like, unspeakable amounts of money. Like, I, again, we are looking way down the road, and maybe I'm contradicting myself here, but let's say three years into his career, Spencer Torkelson is putting up, you know, a 900-plus OPS. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Tigers try to do something like that. If one of these pitchers pans out, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Tigers do something like that. We actually saw it last year. The White Sox gave Luis Robert a contract extension before he even played a game at the major league level. And last year, finished second for Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to be a top 10 player in baseball here pretty soon. That was also not a gargantuan contract. I believe he got seven years as opposed to 14. Yeah, I I hope this works. I I really hope this works because I like this guy a whole lot. I hope he's successful all 14 years or even, you know, 10 of those 14 years would be serviceable. And the last thing you'd want is for him to have this incredible prime and then sign with the Dodgers, right? Sign with the Yankees or, or go to some other big market club. The Padres, they've seen blood in the water and they've started to bite and good for them. They got their guy, and I really hope it works out. And I really hope all my 
fears about this are proven wrong. I really do. All right, so that'll do it for segment one. When I come back, going to talk about some comments that A.J. Hinch made yesterday following the reporting of pitchers and catchers to spring training. We'll be right back. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. From team-focused farm system breakdowns, prospect rankings, and interviews with some of the brightest up-and-comers in the game, Locked On MLB Prospects is the best way to stay plugged in on the future of your favorite team. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in on the final show of the week. A.J. Hinch spoke yesterday, and I think he's got some very interesting things to say regarding his philosophy when it comes to managing a baseball team, and now he's managing the Tigers, which is awesome. Made some comments, and this was a a lot of media members reported this, but John Morosi may have been the first. He said that A.J. Hinch plans to name a closer before opening day, but won't be rigid in assigning him exclusively the 25th, 26th, and 27th outs. Another bullpen note, Hinch spoke with Buck Farmer today about the possibility of using him for more than three outs at a time. Uh, That makes sense. I thought maybe Soto would be a guy they would do that with. Those are two guys that had been starters for a long time throughout their minor league careers. I also think given Soto's stuff, he may be a guy better suited to just go one inning. I mean, he's only got a fastball and a slider, and really, that slider ain't much to write home about. If he gets that going, he could be as effective a one-inning guy in baseball as there is. Honestly, I think his ceiling is that high. Some people are up in arms by this. Well, what this means, essentially, is that sometimes the ninth inning is not the highest leverage situation. I think what Hinch says when he's going to have a closer and not necessarily use him for the ninth inning, he's going to use his best reliever, in the highest leverage situations. Let's use an example here. Let's say, hypothetically, for the sake of argument, that 
Brian Garcia is this team's best reliever in 2021. And Gregory Soto comes in in the seventh inning, walks the first two batters. The Tigers are up by a run. That's the highest leverage situation moment in the game. That becomes the most important part of the game. And who are you going to use to get those three outs? Well, you're going to use your best reliever because at that point, the most important outs in the game are the outs that you need in the seventh inning. Having him face the the bottom of the lineup in the ninth inning won't mean anything if he can't get these outs in the seventh. So I like this philosophy. You've seen more teams do it. You kind of saw the Nationals do it in 2019. And, and that bullpen was suspect at best, really. It's, it's one of the worst bullpens to ever win a World Series. But the two guys they had, the two studs that they had were Hudson and Doolittle, and sometimes they would use Doolittle in the seventh. Sometimes they would use Hudson in the eighth. Sometimes they would use Hudson in the ninth inning and then bring in Doolittle in the seventh and eighth. I mean, they mixed it up because they knew that they wanted to use their closer, who was Sean Doolittle, for the in the highest leverage situations possible. So I agree with this completely. Like I said, I know we're still in the honeymoon phase, but it's not like I've been a completely complimentary of anything this guy says. I, I came on here a couple days ago and said that I adamantly disagree with the idea of Miguel Cabrera playing first base again, which it looks like that's something they may entertain in 2021. It's also worth noting that Hinch is willing to think outside the box here. He's going to try so hard to win games in 2021, and I'm sure he's going to get incredibly frustrated when he realizes that he just doesn't have the tools to be able to do that, but I, I can't knock the effort, because I, I do think that over the last several years, and I'm repeating myself here, but I do think over the last several years, a losing became something that this organization was very comfortable with. I don't think A.J. Hinch is going to ever uh, fall on into that trap. Another thing A.J. Hinch said is that it looks like Michael Fulmer is going to start one of the early spring training games and will be fighting for a rotation spot you know every time that I've kind of mapped out what the rotation may look like in 2021 I have never used the name Michael Fulmer I don't believe that he's going to be in the rotation I don't like and this is going to be pretty harsh what I'm about to say I am pretty darn close to giving up on Michael Fulmer I don't believe that he'll ever be an effective starter at the major league level ever again he may be a bullpen guy you know, he still has a relatively live arm, and if he's only asked to go one or two innings at a time, he could be effective, but I don't see it. You know, I know there was a small sample size last year, but 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 not really. I mean, he played, like, he pitched, like, 10, 12 games. Like, he pitched, a, he was healthy that entire season. The stuff didn't get any better. The command didn't get any better. He got pounded by basically every team that he went up against, and they weren't asking him to do much. They said, Mikey... Give us three innings. Give us three innings of effective baseball. And he couldn't do that. When you look at the baseball savant page, if it was an instance where like, you know what? The fastball spin rate was high. The fastball velocity was high. The spin rate on the off-speed stuff was good. He just, you know, had some bad luck. I'd be the first one to come on here and say, hey, you know what? Give him another chance. And I'm not saying completely quit on him yet, but I think this organization and this team in general is going to be in pretty bad shape if no one is able to beat out Michael Fulmer for the fifth rotation spot. Like, if Scooball and Mize both start the year in AAA because Michael Fulmer beat him out, they might be in some trouble. I, I will not take that as a good sign because this was a guy last year. I'm sorry, but you can't tell me Michael Fulmer, when he pitched last season, didn't look completely toast. And that's sad. That's so sad because I was watching Michael Fulmer highlights last week because I miss baseball and I miss good baseball. God, this guy was electric. It's no fault of his own that his stuff isn't very good anymore or didn't look very good a season ago. He's asked to come back from something that's incredibly difficult to come back from, his second Tommy John surgery. And yeah, there is an alternate universe out there where Michael Fulmer could have been 
a, a transcendent talent for this organization. And if he's able to come back and prove me wrong, man, oh man, it would be a hell of a story, but I, I just don't see it. The stuff last year was so flat. I, I think the bullpen may be his saving grace. I felt that way about Daniel Norris. And guess what? Daniel Norris, against all odds, kind of found something last year coming out of the pen. Maybe you have that with Michael Fulmer. With that said, I don't believe Daniel Norris ever got Tommy John. And he definitely never got two Tommy John surgeries the way that Michael Fulmer did. If they find a spot for him in the pen, sure. And if you want to have him for a spot start in case somebody gets injured or sick, have at it. But being an, an every fifth day starter, I don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it from Fulmer anymore. And go ahead and start him in spring training. I'm not mad that they're doing this, but I think it would be a bad sign for the youngsters, like I said, if they get beat out by Michael Fulmer for the opening day rotation spot in 2021. All right, so that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. We will be right back here next week. I, I Do spring training games start next week? I don't know. All the days are really starting to run together, but I really am enjoying doing this. I think the podcast is getting better, and we're finally getting some more news to really sink our teeth into as spring training is going to be starting up here. I'm really excited about it, even though the team is going to be awful. We will be right back here on Monday talking a little bit more Tigers baseball. Have a great weekend, everybody, and go Tigers.